All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Dave. It's good to be with you all this morning. I'm often back with the children, obviously here today. I am with you. <clears throat> and this morning, I'm going to start with a story, which is from the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 20. The text is going to be on the screen. But I thought it would be fun to kind of put a little bit of a rewrite or a spin on this as if Jesus was telling this story uh, in our world today. So if you want to, again, you want to check out with me, make sure I got my interpretation of the story right. It'll be up there. But uh, here we go. So once upon a time, there was a CEO of a toy company. And this CEO knew that during the holiday season, things got pretty busy. So he decided to hire some seasonal workers to help make sure that all the packages, all the toys that were ordered, got delivered, got shipped on time to be received by all the little boys and girls in Toyland or whatever. So he hired some people to start working on that busiest of busy days, the beginning of the holiday season, Black Friday. They came in, they st- he promised that if they worked for him, that by the end of the two-week pay period, they would get a fair, a... Um, specific, a good, a good wage. He was going to pay them generously. So they got to work, filling packages. A couple days later, things are pretty busy, getting a kick up in orders. CEO goes out, hires a couple more people, says, y'all guys go get to work, help fill my orders. They get to work. About a week or so into the, into the two weeks, things are still busy, goes out, hires some more people, says, you all, I could use some more help filling the orders, sending the toys out in the mail, go get to work. Finally, it's the morning of payday. The CEO goes over to the local Starbucks, gets his peppermint latte or whatever his uh, drink of choice may be. And while he is there, he sees a couple more people who are just lounging around in the parking lot. Things are busy, so he says, y'all need a job? They say, all right, we can work. What are we doing? Oh, just filling packages, shipping orders, that sort of thing. No problem. So they come in Friday, lunchtime, a little after lunch, put in a couple hours work, sending off the last of the packages for the week. Then the day is over. So this CEO is a little bit of an eccentric guy. He doesn't believe in any sort of direct deposit or anything like that. He likes to pay his employees hand-to-hand at the end of the work week. So he calls up all the people that he's hired over the last two weeks, and he starts to pay them. He calls up first those people that had only worked a couple of hours Friday afternoon, and he gives them their pay. Then he calls up the ones who had put in a couple days, close to a week of work, pays them. He calls up those who worked a little bit longer, maybe about a week and a couple days, pays them. Last is the workers who were hired first. These are the people that have been there day in and day out, working and toiling, filling orders, getting the stuff done. And as they've been waiting for their pay, they've seen and heard what some of the other people are saying. They, they heard one of the workers that had only been hired Friday afternoon mention that she had received, well, what these first workers were promised to be received. And they start to think about it, and they're like, okay, this this boss promised to pay us this much for two weeks of work, but the people that only worked for a couple of hours, they got paid that. So logically, we stand to get ka-ching, a good payday. But to their chagrin, when they are called up, they receive 
exactly what they were promised, which is the same as the people that only worked a couple of hours got. And they start to complain. It's not fair. We worked two weeks. Those guys only worked a couple days or a couple hours. And again, it's not that this is an un, a, a not a generous wage. It's a very generous wage. It's, it's, I think, what anybody who worked in that job would be happy to get. But at the same time, they're like, it doesn't matter if it's generous. We worked longer. We deserve more. And the CEO simply says, I'm generous. Are you envious because I am generous? So... To step out of my version of the story back into the actual Bible, that's how Jesus ends the story. Are you so envious that I am generous, is what the CEO or the owner of the vineyard in the story he tells says. Um, He says there another famous line, the first will be last and the last shall be first. And in this story, uh, Jesus is painting a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I think it's worth noting as we start that when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven in the scriptures or the kingdom of God sometimes, we often hear that phrase, especially the word heaven, and we imagine some sort of otherworldly spiritual plane where we have left our physical and material bodies to rot behind and we're floating and flitting around like ghosts or something. This is not what Jesus meant by kingdom of heaven. When Jesus talks about kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, he is speaking about what he, dream, what he hopes, what he says. He's speaking about what is going to happen in this world. In the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Or to put it differently, the kingdom of heaven is not about escaping from this world to some other place, but it's about This world becoming heaven on earth, what God has always dreamed for this world to be. And based on this story that Jesus tells there in Matthew 20, we could say that God's dream for this world is one of generous giving, in which people get way more than they deserve, and everybody has enough. Now, this sort of generous giving that God desires is really illustrated in the Christmas season, in what we celebrate during Advent at Christmas as God's giving of God's own self. Um, As John says in uh, his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul explains it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, that the Son of God, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. This is what Christmas is all about. The gift of God, God's own son, God's own self, laying aside all the rights as God, mysteriously whatever that means, and being born as a human, as one of us. God giving the gift of God's own self. We could say that Jesus is the last, or the first, I should say. Jesus is the first who became last on our behalf. And to jump from Christmas, if we wanted to go to the end of the story, even when we humans rejected God's gift of God's own self, 
We killed Jesus on the cross. God did not stop giving us love and life. God overcame death in the resurrection to show us that even the worst thing we can do, the rejection of God's greatest generous gift, is not going to stop God from showing and giving love and life to us. This, um, this message of God's giving, I think, is really good news to everybody, but especially good news to those people that show up late, the Friday afternoon ones that were seen as lounging around. These are the people who have been looked down upon by the ones who show up early. These are the people who are often most in touch with their own brokenness and their own sin and, the way, and how they cannot earn God's gift. So when abundant generosity is given to, to all people, it's often these latecomers, these ones that have been told they're not good enough, who are the first to quickly embrace it. I mean, just look at the people who are the heroes of the Christmas story. We have Mary, an unwed teenage mother, definitely very low on the social ladder in those days. We have a blue-collar carpenter in Joseph. We have smelly, stinky shepherds out in the fields. We have pagan religious teachers who believe the wrong things and are part of the wrong religion. And these are the people that are coming and flocking around God's son, Jesus. And again, if we carried this theme throughout the stories of Jesus' life, we see the same thing. The people that are so often looked down upon by those who show up early are the ones who are the quickest and the first to receive God's gift. Uneducated fishermen, greedy tax collectors, promiscuous sex workers, heretical Samaritans and Gentiles, all the wrong people, all the ones who are last, are becoming first. I love how uh, author Madeline LaEngel describes it. She writes in one, of her, in one of her works, the glorious message of Scripture is that we do not have to be perfect for our maker to love us. All throughout the great stories, heavenly love is lavished on visibly imperfect people. And I think we see that part of the reason for this is that imperfect people tend to be the most in touch with their needs, or at least those who can admit they're imperfect. And they are most welcoming of that gift. But then there's the rest of us. The ones who show up early. I mean, to go back to that story in Matthew 20, that story of the CEO. I'm pretty sure if we're honest, every single one of us in this room hears that story and is like, yeah, those guys who worked the two weeks, those guys who showed up early, they're right. They have something to complain about. I mean, every single one of us, if we were in their shoes and that happened at our job, we'd be like, wait a minute, this is not fair. Like, that's obvious. Because based on our ideas of fairness, we just agree and understand that those who work more, those who work longer, should get more. This fairness mentality, it's, it's rooted deeply inside of us. It's one of the first things we learn as Children, it's why if you are a parent and you have kids, you know inevitably at some point during the day when your kids are playing together, maybe playing with other kids, the cry of it's not fair is going to be ringing through your house somewhere. That's because fairness is one of the first things we understand. And from our earliest years, we're taught that if you work hard, then you will succeed. You'll get what's coming to you. Our worth, our identity is often tied up in our work, tied up in our own effort. 
we imagine that those who work harder and who work longer deserve more and deserve better because that's just fair. We, we tend to divide the world into the winners who show up early and put in the work and the losers who are just lounging around somewhere most of the time, maybe expecting some sort of handout. And this fairness mentality, I mean, I think it touches every aspect of our lives, but as we see it, definitely relates to how we understand things of faith, God, religion, Jesus, and things like that. God's generous giving, God's dream for the world, confronts our ideas of fairness. And it's those of us, and I'm saying us because I feel like this is where I fit in, those of us who would benefit from this fairness who are the most likely to complain and resist. I mean, I look at this story, and I feel like I'm one of the ones who showed up early. I've been in church my whole life. When I was a little kid, I was the one back at Sunday school, learning all the answers, answering all the questions. When I was a teenager, I went to Wednesday night youth group, even if I was the only kid my age, kept on showing up. When I went to college, I got involved in a campus ministry, spent my free time doing like Bible studies. I went on spring break mission trips, service projects, things like that. As an adult, I've spent so much of my time working in full-time ministry. I can look at my life and be like, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff for you, God. I showed up early. I worked hard. And if you, if you asked me, I would say, and I know that none of this service, like, I recognize it doesn't earn God's love. I can go to those scriptures and talk about how, yeah, our good works in God's eyes are, are filthy rags, that we're all sinners saved by grace. The latecomers, the early comers, it doesn't matter. We're all broken. We're all equal. We all, none of us are worthy, and God loves all of us. Like, I say that, but deep down, I look at my heart, I look at my life. I'm sure there have been times I was keeping score. Outwardly, I could talk about God's grace, God's generosity, God's gift. But inwardly, I would take pride in, I'm, I'm working harder than most people, God. And the Bible sometimes even speaks about things like treasures in heaven. And I think I would figure that, okay, like, yes, all of us, are saved by grace, and all of us will be with God one day. But then once that happens, there's going to come a time when Jesus like calls out those of us who worked really hard, and we get some sort of reward. Well done for all that service you've given, right? It's only fair. This is why this, this, this feeling, this attitude... Whether, and again, I'm just speaking for myself. This is Dave's confession morning, perhaps. But those of us who think that we work the hardest and the longest, this is why I think we're the ones who are the most likely to get envious when we see that God's gift is going to all the people that we tend to think are undeserving. It's why the people that knew the Bible the best, the people that should have been ready for the gift of God and Jesus, were the ones that most resisted because they saw all the other people they didn't think we're worthy, and they tended to maybe be like, I don't know. But here's the crazy thing. Well, there's a lot of crazy things. Here's one of the crazy things. In, in 
when I come about it with that attitude of putting my effort first and, and looking at how much I've done or think I've done, we're trying to earn a gift that we already have. Now, I don't want to get too much into this because it's, it's very tempting to be super critical of like self-righteous religious people. I'll be critical of myself in my own time. But the good news is that God's generous gift also goes to the people that show up early. It goes to us too. It goes to everybody. You might have heard of uh, Rachel Held Evans. She was a really brilliant writer. She tragically uh, passed away a couple of years ago, leaving behind a young family. Uh, and a friend of hers, she was working on a book when she died, and a friend of hers was able to finish that book, and it was recently published. It's called Wholehearted Faith, if you're looking for a book to read um, over the holidays or next year. And in this book, and in some of her other, her other writings too, she talks about how she was one of those people who um, she might call a religious insider or really just someone who showed up early. And as I read what she writes, I really think that, um, I never had the opportunity to meet her, but I think there's a, I have a lot in common in that. I think a lot of us do too, people that, again, have done all the right things, showed up early, think we've done things for God. But I love how she talks about over the course of her life, she really came to understand that None of those things matter because God's generosity overwhelms any understanding that we might have of us earning it. So in her book, Wholehearted Faith, she writes, What if God's love were right there for us this whole time? But rather than recognizing what has been prepared for us, rather than falling wholeheartedly into what is already ours, we spend so much of our time and energy trying to earn it. We act as if we can perform our way to absolution of our sins. We think we need to wow the Almighty into wanting our company. We believe we can dazzle God into loving us. Could God really be so gullible? Is the divine so easily impressed? I've come to believe that the only thing we're actually accomplishing is exhausting ourselves. In doing so, we distract ourselves from the beautiful truth and gorgeous reality. God already loves us. I love that. God's gift is there. It's there for those who show up early. It's there for those who show up late. For those of us who show up early, we just need to realize that any effort we put into receiving it, any idea of scorekeeping, we just need to lay that aside and just embrace the gift that we can't earn anyway. Another uh, writer, Robert Capone, Capone I messed up how to say, I don't know how to say that guy's name, Capon, that doesn't matter. Um, he comments on this same parable. He writes, the last may be first and the first may be last, but that's only for the fun of making the point. Everybody is in the payout queue and everybody gets full pay. Nobody is kicked out who wasn't already in. The only bruised backside belongs to those who insist on butting themselves into outer darkness. I love what he's saying there. It's Everybody's in line, latecomers, earlycomers, the gift is there, God is giving it. It's just up to us to embrace it and not walk away. And I believe God really is that generous, that God really is that giving, that God generously gives life and love to all of us, those who show up early and keep trying to convince ourselves that we deserve it, and those who show up late and are the most willing to say they don't deserve it, that everybody is welcome, the gift is there for all. The prophet Isaiah puts it this way in um, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. On Isaiah 55, he writes poetically, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. 
And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. I think Isaiah is presenting the same dream of God that God has for the world. The table is open. Whether you come early or come late, the gift is there. We who think we show up or we who think we can earn it by showing up early just need to stop trying to earn it and receive it. And those who are starving, who have been told over and over again that they're not good enough, just receive it as well. God gives. God is generous. God gives. God is love. And we just receive. Now again, I'm, I feel like I'm stuck on this point, but this is really good news. And it, again, go back to that story, for the latecomers. This is really good news for those who have been told that they don't deserve it. But some of us, I feel like this tends to be the people that think they show up early. Some of us hear this and they'll say, okay, well, if God is really that generous, why not take advantage of it? Like, why do anything? I was talking about this scripture with some of the college students I work with a little over a week ago as I was putting this together, and this was literally the first question someone raised their hand and asked. So if this is true, why do anything? I don't know if I have a good answer to that. All I can say is, when I read the scriptures, the God revealed in Jesus doesn't actually seem very worried about that. I mean, Jesus tells stories of um, prodigals, people who... Uh, who wander away, who reject God's gift, who walk away, and then when they return, God receives them with open arms. Jesus sometimes talks to people and they ask him questions, he responds, and sometimes people walk away from Jesus and he lets them go. But the gift is always there when people return. I think part of the scandal of God's giving is that there is no, there's no big but lurking in the background. There's no unless. There's no caveat. See, we try to add those things. Okay, well, you know, you kind of sneak that earning it in the back door. That's what I've done a lot of times growing up in my life. Yes, God is generous, but make sure you do this. Make sure you go to the right church. Make sure you're part of the right political party. Make sure you vote the right way. Make sure you read your Bible every day. Like we had all these other make sures, all these other buts, but you have to do this, but this, but that. But the scandal is, again, that God's giving is just always available. God's gift is always there. God loves, and God doesn't seem as worried about some of these questions as we do. I think, though, when we come to understand who God is in Jesus— We are moved to give to others because we also adopt God's vision for the world. You see, a lot of times I think, again, at least speaking for myself, we feel like we have to do these things that God calls us to do because of that or else. Okay, so God gives you this gift, but if you don't do this, then then you're going to get smited, you're going to get punished, you're going to get this or that. And it's it's a fear-based kind of idea. What do I have to do to still earn my gift. It doesn't work that way. You don't have to do anything. The gift is already there. 
But I believe, and maybe this is hopeful, maybe this is naive, depending on how you, how you see it. But I think that as we learn to see the world as God sees it, as God's dream for this world becomes our dream for this world, we learn to desire that same world. We learn to want to give generously, and our ideas, our understanding, our desire for generous giving overwhelms all of our broken and faulty ideas of fairness. We learn to give to others, not out of fear, not out of trying to like do things for God as if we can do anything for God, not because we want to earn some reward now or in the future, but I think we learn to give to others because we've received the gift and we just want to share it. One more quote from another one of my favorite writers, Brendan, Brendan Manning. He writes, the deeper we grow in the spirit of Jesus Christ, the poorer we become. The more we realize that everything in life is a gift. The tenor of our lives becomes one of humble and joyful thanksgiving. Awareness of our poverty and ineptitude causes us to rejoice in the gift of being called out of darkness into wondrous light and translated into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. And as we become aware of that, I think the more we become aware of that, the more we become in touch with even those who show up early can't earn that gift, then we are moved to want to give it to others. So I guess the only question I'll leave us with is, what gifts has God given you? And how can you share them with others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us gifts. Thank you for, if we're someone who feels like in that story we're the early comers who thinks we've earned it, thank you for maybe reveal to us that we can't earn it. Thank you for loving us even when we try to earn it. And if we're someone who definitely is very in touch with the fact that we did not earn it, just help us to know, help everyone to know that no one is beyond your love, that you are willing and able and loving, just keep giving and giving. And as we, I pray that our view of the world, that we would learn to see the world as you see it, as Jesus sees it, and that we will be moved to give and show kindness and love to others just because it's the right thing to do, just because we've been given a gift and we want to share with others. Um, so change us into the persons, people you've created us to be, and may we always glorify you. Thank you for your gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.